this is Rihanna, and that's what's hot in the streets from Hot 97. WQHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the new heroin epidemic. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. Use the hashtag new heroin, and we may read your tweets on the air, at Lisa Evers. And our show Twitter, at Street underscore soldiers. If you have talked to anyone, if you've read any newspapers, if you've seen any of my news reports on Fox 5, you know we have got a problem. The number of heroin overdoses in New York, New Jersey, and Long Island is skyrocketing. And many of the people overdosing and in some cases dying are under the age of 30. It's gotten so bad in New Jersey, they're opening a special high school for recovering addicts. Expert tells experts tell us the drug has never been cheaper, going for as little as five dollars in some places four dollars a bag or more potent, sometimes laced with deadly ingredients. It's being marketed under brand names NFL, North Face, Ace of Spades, Government Shutdown. Local police and the DEA continue to bust up heroin mills in virtually every community, and sophisticated rings like the Harlem to Hamptons heroin pipeline that we just saw a couple of weeks ago. Why is this happening now? What does it really do to you? How much damage can it cause? And is it really as addictive as we hear? We're going to get the answers to those questions and more in just a moment. We'll take your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Phone lines are open now. What do you think of the new heroin epidemic? Do you know somebody that's doing heroin? Have you seen the problem yourself? Tell us your story. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Use the hashtag new heroin at Lisa Evers at street underscore soldiers. And we just might read your tweet on the air. We're going to start out right now with Dawn Dearden. She's a chief spokesperson for the Drug Enforcement Agency. Dawn, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me this morning. We appreciate it. And we're speaking to Dawn in uh, Washington, D.C. Dawn, why are we seeing so much heroin now? You know, it's really a combination of a lot of different factors, unfortunately, that have really just kind of come together at the same time. When we talk about heroin addiction and we talk about heroin overdoses, we also need to talk about an opioid addiction, a a straight opioid addiction, which includes pills, prescription pain pills, um, you know, we've seen a major shift from those that start out using pills, hydrocodone, oxycodone, and shifting over to heroin. They get the same high at a much cheaper uh, price. So oh, we know that that, inc- that increases um, the, the, in the nationwide heroin addiction. Um, in addition, we've seen Mexican cartels also exploiting this addiction and flooding the market with this, this much cheaper, much higher potent um, heroin. And so we're seeing Mexican heroin in places that we, we've never seen it before in the, probably the past five years or so. It used to be much more Colombian heroin that was in the northeast and, um, and east of the Mississippi. But now the Mexicans have essentially taken over the entire market, flooding it with much cheaper and higher potent product. Now, one of your colleagues has said that the Mexican drug traffickers have actually been targeting areas or parts of the country where prescription drug um, addiction is at its worst especially in no, a lot of the suburbs. Is that true? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. At, at the end of the day, these cartels are businessmen, right? They, 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 they know their, 
um, their, uh, their, excuse me, they know their customers as much as any other businessman would be so that they know that the folks that are, are spending, you know, what, $30, $40 on pills a day um, are going to switch over to heroin, which is, you know, just like you said, 4 or $5 a hit. So it, it, it does essentially come down to economics. Um, I think there's also the fact that, um, you know, they've, they've made heroin now where it isn't necessarily something that you have to inject. You can snort it. You can smoke it. And so that used to be a major dividing line for those that may, you know, be interested in trying heroin but didn't want to shoot up. All right. And then the DEA has been doing a lot, many, many uh, interdictions and a lot of arrests lately. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Our cases involving heroin across the nation have nearly doubled. Um, we know that seizures at the border for heroin are almost 300 percent. And at the same time, we know uh, heroin overdoses have increased 45 percent. So there's no doubt that there's certainly much more product coming into the United States than ever before. All right, Dawn Dearden for the DEA. Thank you so much for calling in on our newsline. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much. That was Don Dearden, chief spokesperson for the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. And let me introduce our panel. We have with us Anthony Rizzuto. He's the clinical coordinator for the Power and Control Program at the Seafield Center for Alcohol and Substance Abuse Treatment. Anthony, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Also with us is Linda Ventura. She lost her son to a heroin overdose. She is a single mother of three. And we're going to find out what she's doing in her son's memory and hear her story. Linda, thank you so much for being with us. We thank you, Lisa. It. Also with us is DJ Fountain and his brother Manny Fountain. They lost their sister who was when she was just seven years old. They were in a car accident. The car that hit them, police told them, was driven by a man who was overdosing on heroin. And it just set off a terrible spiral for their family. And uh, we're going to hear their story and also how they've been dealing with it. So DJ and Manny, thank you guys for being with us. And thank you for being such loyal Street Soldiers listeners. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you, Lisa. Thank you. Also with us is Nora uh, Milligan. She, her son has been in recovery for seven years. He's only 22. We're going to find out from her what happened with that. And also the guy that was just calling us on the hotline at uh, 1-800-223-9797. He said he'd been clean and sober for 10 years, and he was on his way to buy heroin right now, but he hung up the phone. We were trying to get him on uh, on the line right now. You can call back, and, and you know Anthony Rizzuto can speak with you here and also some of our other guests. Anthony, when you hear stories like that, this people are on this, how bad is the epidemic right now? I mean, I, I've seen an incredible increase over these last five or six years. And, you know, it started with the painkillers, and we've seen a switch over to the heroin. And what Dawn had said, you know, about the purity of it, people in general are afraid of, of needles. And, you know, the fact that people can sniff it and get the result from it um, has opened the door for some people. But, you know, people going from painkillers to heroin is a common thing. And then we see them going from sniffing heroin to injecting heroin. And you build a tolerance real quick. So somebody that starts out perhaps with one or two bags um, very quickly gets up to five or ten bags and then it comes to a point where it's it's a necessity it's no longer a luxury it's no longer getting high I have to do it every time I wake up in order for me to be able this is what they experience that they have to do it or they'll suffer the withdrawal all right, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Hashtag new heroin on Twitter at Lisa Evers at street underscore soldiers. Have you tried it? 
You can call us up anonymously, 1-800-223-9797. Are you planning to do it today? Give us a call right now, 1-800-223-9797. And Linda Ventura, you just passed the two-year anniversary of your 21-year-old son, Tom. Yes heroin overdose death tell us what that's been like for you it's a nightmare uh i am a parent that belongs to a club that no parent should ever belong to it rips your heart and soul apart and i stand on my faith that a decision was made by god to do something within me to cause a change in this movement and it brought my son to a peaceful place now, your son was a high school athlete. Yes. How did you know that he was using? When did you first realize, wait a minute, he's, Tom's got a problem? At, at around at the age of 15, we had, uh, he had lost all three of his grandparents. My husband and I divorced, and he was, he was having a tough time with life in general. He started self-medicating with pot, went to alcohol, alcohol and pot, and subsequently moved on through pills, snorting heroin and became a full-blown injecting heroin addict and you were on your way to work you live on long island you were on the train commuting into work to your job when you got a call from your other son my son thomas returned home on tuesday evening and on wednesday morning from rehab from a rehab rehab. and my 18 year old son found his brother in the bathroom dead of an overdose oh my god so at seven fifteen in the morning i got that call with a pitch of my younger son's voice that i will never forget i was let off at a stop where there were no police no taxis and a woman came by and just said i'll take you wherever you need to go she drove me home and i arrived on a crime scene and then the uh look at looking back on that experience did you, you feel frustrated by what your son was going through? Because he was in and out of rehab. My son was in and out of rehab. We've lived through the, he's not high enough. He's, you know, uh, we're going to have him fail at outpatient before he goes to inpatient. There is not consistency in care uh, and, and a, a number of beds for treatment, for consistency, you know, with the whole program. You can't let a kid out after five days and expect them to be successful after detoxing. That's not realistic. That's not treatment. It's uh, not realistic. And you're not dealing with whatever psychological issues are going on Correct. as well either. All right, let me bring in DJ Fountain and his brother Manny Fountain. And DJ reached out to us on Twitter, Faithful Street Soldiers listener. And you guys are in your 20s now, right? Yes. And you, you lost your sister when, when DJ, when you were nine years old and Manny was 11? Yes. You were 11. Your, your sister Alicia was just seven years old. Seven years old, yeah. You were in a car in New Jersey. And the driver of the driver of the car that hit the the car with you and your mom and your and your brothers and you know family inside, uh, police told you was overdosing on heroin at the time and crashed, killing your sister, your little sister, and also causing causing Manny tremendous uh, physical injuries. What has that been like for you? To be honest, it's like something out of a horror film. Um, our family was actually on the road to our great grandmother's funeral at the time, and uh, we were told after after the fact that. The man that was driving was had a track record for heroin distribution, possession, and was not nodding at the wheel. Struck our car, um, direct impact to my brother, standing to my right right now. But um, uh, if it wasn't for an off-duty firefighter who had witnessed the accident probably 10 cars back, he ran up and gave my brother CPR and saved his life. They said that my brother should have died on the scene as well. Otherwise, Manny would have died. Correct. I would have died, yeah. I 
and then get, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't. Firefighter and Manny, and then this led to a whole series. You're in a wheelchair now. I'm in a wheelchair, yes. And this led to a whole series of of like a domino effect for you with drugs. Oh yeah, like um, I after I was in a wheelchair for 12 years and I traveled abroad. I wanted to walk because abroad things aren't wheelchair accessible, so I didn't think of anything else but walking. So I was naive enough to think I was ready, and I wasn't. I didn't know anything about pain medicine, so I got, I just, I couldn't deal with the pain. I took the medicine, doctors gave it to me, they cut me off too soon, so unfortunately I had to turn to the streets. And then you started getting... I started doing heroin and just downhill, it was a downward spiral from there, and like, I went to rehab four years ago. And I've only been clean a year now. So it's like, it's not, it takes a long time. To get off that. Well, congratulations on, on being clean. But DJ, what do you think? And, and what about your mother with this, this heroin that has just devastated your family? My mom went through a really uh, tough time. She had, you know, after, especially after my sister died, obviously any parent that goes through something like that, as traumatic as that, is going to go through a tough period. But it kind of forced me to kind of mature at a younger age. And, you know, seeing my brother go through it and, from the sideline looking in, you know, you, I had a sober mind and I'm seeing my hero. This is my brother that persevered through so much growing up, um, you know, a handicapped and being blind in one eye and the scrutiny of being handicapped. You know, he pers- persevered through all that to get his college degree. And, you know, like he even went through the surgery and as God is my witness, he walked across the graduation stage. He got out of the wheelchair, he walked across the graduation stage and took the diploma. And that, that is such a awesome. great, yeah, it's a great feeling, you know, but to see your hero, somebody you look up to your whole life struggle with such a serious disease um, you know, and it, it causes it causes you to burn bridges. You lose friends. You you know you burn bridges in your family, and it causes guilt. It causes it breaks your heart. It really does. It's it's devastating. And uh, Nora Nora Milligan, your son started using when he was fifteen. Um, actually, he started Look, using when he was like fourteen. Fourteen. It was uh, um, the problem was pretty apparent by the time he was fifteen and a half. He went to his first rehab. And how did you know that something was wrong with your child? Um, I, you know, I had uh, an idea that he was uh, dabbling in drugs, smoking some pot, drinking some beer. And, and we were just talking about this this morning. You know, as a parent, you think, oh, you know, he's just being a kid, you know. and Going through that phase. Going through that phase. But um, what I know now is, is addiction is a disease. So what might be a phase for another teenager um, proved to be a problem for him almost immediately. And by the time he was 15 and a half, he had trended into pills and he had a... Excuse me, he had an appendectomy, and when he came out into the recovery room, the doctor was having a really hard time getting his pain under control. And we had verified uh, with a urine tox before the the surgery that he was positive for um, opiates and benzos. And so when he had a tolerance, I knew I'm a critical care nurse. I knew that his he'd been using a large amount already, and so that that's what started his journey into his first rehab at 15 and a half. So if he hadn't had that appendectomy, you might not have known the extent of the problem that early on? Correct. Yeah, correct. It probably would have taken a little bit longer because I was, like most parents are, I was in some denial. And, and you were talking about why are we seeing, um, you know, such an outbreak and, and such an awareness now? I think because parents are um, coming together. This disease uh, separates and isolates through shame and guilt. And uh, parents are coming forward and finding a voice. And the more of us that come forward and, and get together together, um, the more of a voice that you find, and it's starting to lose its shame. It's it's really big change, and um, 
you know, shining a light on the problem is immense right now, and and there's a lot of factors to it, like Dawn had alluded to the the availability of it, how cheap it is. The you said it right at the beginning of the interview. They're under thirty. Most of them are actually under twenty. And you're, so you're dealing with a specific population of adolescents that's already very prone to peer pressure, anxiety, uh, not feeling a part of, and the drugs, you know, a couple beers, smoke a little pot, well, let's pop a pill, you know, and they start to feel better and they feel relaxed. The problem is, is when you're prone to addiction genetically or environmentally, it's going to hit you harder and, and you're going to very quickly develop a problem. All right, let's get to the phone lines. 1-800-223-9797. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. The new heroin epidemic, as you just heard from Linda, the vast majority of these overdoses, these overdose fatalities, are under the age of 20. Young people, it's a new generation being hit with this scourge. And uh, we're taking your phone calls. 1-800-223-9797. Hit us up on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, at Street underscore Soldiers. Let's go to John from Long Island. John, hi, you're on uh, Hot 97 Street Soldiers. Go right ahead. Hi, I'm John. How you doing? All right, how you doing? Not bad. Um, I just called in because I figured I might have something to offer. I have a, I'm a recovering heroin addict. Um, I've been clean for a little bit over a year, and I first started trying to get clean uh, about 10 years ago. And um, I just wanted to point out that I think the, the woman who was just on the phone <clears throat> really hit the nail on the head when, she, when uh, she mentioned that addiction is a disease. And it's something that I never personally wanted to believe about myself <clears throat> until uh, I kept trying and trying to get clean over and over again, and it wasn't working for me. And so what, fi- um, what finally worked for you, John? Uh, the, the, the one thing that worked for me was changing my life and, uh, and these 12-step programs that are offered at many places every day all over Long Island. All right, but when you're thank you thank you very much for the call. But but when you're talking about a teenager, somebody who's fourteen or fifteen, sixteen, who's living at home, is that even practical in terms of a rehab program? Absolutely. I mean, the the biggest problem that we're having these days is that you have a ton of need, and there's help out there, but we can't have the two meet. Uh, one of the problems that is the number one barrier that I've seen is insurance companies denying people access to treatment. So people have a policy that has the tr- the benefit on it. But they will tell you you have to fail an outpatient first, or they'll tell you that you don't meet medical necessity with the with the idea that you can't die from heroin withdrawal. But what people are willing to do when they're withdrawing has the ability to kill them or others. All right, 1-800-223-9797. Do you use heroin currently? Give us a call, 1-800-223-9797. We'll protect your identity. Are you going to buy heroin right now? Are you selling heroin? We're hearing all these stories about people in the uh, suburbs going into Patterson to get it for $4 a bag. We're hearing all kinds of stories about where it's being distributed, where it's being sold. You can give us a call anonymously at 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Erica from Babylon right now. Erica, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you? All right, um, how are you? I've been doing, I was on heroin for quite some time. I was an opiate user, and then I went to um, heroin. Somebody came to my house and said that it was easier to do that. It wasn't needles, and I went straight to that because it was powder, and it was easier. And if anybody was thinking about doing it, I just wanted to tell them, don't do it because it ruins your life. I have two kids, and it destroyed me. <laughs> it destroyed everything that I did. And it doesn't, even after it, you wake up thinking about it, you go to sleep thinking about it, and it's not something that somebody wants to go to. Um, it, it was easier for me because it wasn't needle. So I was scared of needles, and I went straight to that. 
And if anybody was thinking about that, don't do it because it ruins everything. It ruins your family. It ruins everything. You Erica, lie. Erica, you sound like you're still really messed up about this. Yeah, because it's been about a year, but it's there's no way of going around it. You can't, you can't come back because no matter what, you think about it all the time. Even when you wake up or when you go to bed, you can be off of it for years and you still think about it. All right, so well, there's thank- a lot of people that want to do it, but... I would say don't do that. Don't even try. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Venice from Harlem right now. Venice, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yes. Good morning. Um, I wanted to touch basis on the topic of this drug usage with the dope. I'm noticing that a lot of pharmacies are being um, built in communities like in urban, I mean, the hood and the ghetto communities, like uh, four pharmacies on each corner. And it has a lot to do with this drug epidemic with this heroin because more people are going there for these methadone programs. So I think it's like... um, an acceptable drug here in America because they have these methadone programs and it's, you know, like they're just fueling them with another form of the dope, but nobody's really advocating, um, you know, for the extended care, like the mother was saying. Okay, Venice, really Venice you're raising today. a good, and you're raising a good point about, about all the, all the pharmacies. She's right about that. We see, we see major, huge pharmacies being built, these drugstore chains, which we're not going to mention, but like right across the street from each other. And I'm sure a lot of people shake their head like we do and go, how, how can we, how can the business be supported like that? How can they support that kind of that much business? It's not by selling shampoo, you know. You know, we've we've become a country, unfortunately, that there's a pill for everything. Um, I know when I was growing up, I didn't <laughs> see this stuff on TV. Now you can't sleep, Lunesta. You can't this, you know. And there's a pill, Take a for, pill for everything, everything exactly. instead of looking at what the cause is. Right, and we're not working through anything. You know, we want an instant fix. Unfortunately, that's that's kind of the direction that society has come, and hopefully, we'll get away from that and start realizing that there's a lot we can do on a holistic level with exercise, eating right, and taking care of oneself. But look, we live in a society where, uh, you know, trauma is something that we get to see on a day-to-day basis, and especially with internet and with media and and with being able to have access to phones, you, you see things right away. And our coping mechanisms have not developed to stay, to keep up with the amount of stimulus that we're getting every single day. No, I think that's a great point. Let's go to uh, Twitter. Angelique Tyree, our associate producer, and see what's going on. Angelique, how's Twitter looking? So Twitter is definitely blowing up using the hashtag war on heroin. One tweet comes from the Tw- Choice of NYC, who says, as stated on advice, 40 people in New Jersey died last month from overdoses. Teens are even into this drug. Another tweet comes from Hyde F2323, who says, the problem is partly because there's no penalty for continued use. Rehab isn't prison. You jail one dealer, but let users walk. And one last week comes from at Danielle McClay 20, who says the problem in today's society is lack of help. These people look to drugs because they don't have anyone else. Manny, when you, you had your, you have your family around you, you went through a trauma there, the accident, losing your sister, all the pain that you went through. So after the pills, then how did you get the heroin? Uh, like how hard was that? Because you're in suburban New Jersey. Uh, it, it wasn't hard. You just take it. You just. The problem is like when you do drugs, you know other people that use drugs. So it's like I was telling my brother earlier today. Like you form these friendships that are doomed from the start. And like because you don't really care about each other, you care about the drugs. So you find it. And it's cheaper, unfortunately. Like so, and it's easier to get. Believe it or not, it's in suburbia, and it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate against race, gay, nothing. It doesn't care. So basically, you just you know somebody who knows somebody. 
It's right, kind of yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody knows somebody. Mm. Unfortunately, that, it, it's uh, not that, some big bag drug dealer rolling into town. It's no. just you know, somebody knows somebody that looks like them that's in their town. And no, like, and some people even like, like try to blend in to actually do the stuff and to do it like that. All right, sell it, yeah. and everybody feel free to 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 jump in. Nora, in terms of, in terms of your son, was, was there any type of was there any traumatic incident, or was it just he was going through the teenage years yeah, and it was, was there? Just, he was going through the teenage years, and what I know now, his he was very prone uh, to the disease of addiction, and it is a disease, you know. And it's taken me it took me a long time to get to that because I was in the denial, and again, the shame that's surrounding it. You don't want to believe that this is going on with your kid, especially being a critical care nurse. And exactly, you know, and. Um, um, but as it progressed, it it uh, it had all the components there, and and it and it's a progressive fatal disease. That's what it is. And as it progressed, um, his behaviors became worse and more dangerous, more reckless. Like and, like what kind of things would he do? Um, you know, he he wrecked a car. He totaled a car. He would run away. He um, you know. So again, treatment. You know, we got to get to the treatment part. And again, the reason that we're seeing big numbers in overdoses and people moving from the pills to the heroin is that we pass bills like I stop, which is great, and it has to happen. You have to drive up the source but when you dry up the source you know supply and demand the pills got expensive so the people that are already addicted to the pills have now moved into the heroin so you're seeing the 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 effect of that so we have to support this this pool of people that are already into the addiction we have to support them through the treatment and we can't consider a treatment a failure if if someone goes through a recovery process and then they relapse it's just like a cancer you know if you're treating it as a disease and you get around to chemotherapy and you have a remission it's the same thing with addiction and we have to stop attaching this judgment well they don't want it well they failed at it if they wanted to stop they could stop it's a disease and it lies in centers in the brain and especially again with adolescents that part of their brain isn't even developed till they're 25 that gives them that ability to think about something and stop they're on total impulse so you add this to, you know, a highly addictive, uh, you know, narcotic, and you just have a recipe for disaster. Definitely. And um, Linda, the in terms of in terms of your son, what are you trying to do with with Thomas's house? Well, we formed uh, Thomas's Hope as a foundation. I mean, Thomas's Hope. I'm That's sorry. okay. Um, we fundraise and we scholarship addicts, especially young men. If they need additional time at rehab, so if they're there for 30 days, we'll, we will fund 30 more days. We will uh, e- provide educational programs when they come out and they're in a sober house. Maybe they want to take a course, they want to get back to school. We will foster any program that will continue moving them in a positive direction to a productive life. And then the um, what advice do you have for parents? My advice is... Or brothers and sisters or family members or just people close to the kids. Parents are in denial many times. So if you feel that there's something wrong, there's something wrong. There's already something wrong. Don't be afraid to have the conversation. Don't be afraid to drug test. Don't be afraid to do anything that's going to save your child's life. My son was a great kid, funny, quick-witted, smile that could light up a room. He turned into a mean, deviant thief stole jewelry, stole whatever he had to do to fund his habit. Heroin was his best friend. Heroin was his boss. And he listened to his employer. And it just escalated from there. 
to that point to this to this tragedy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, let me let you know it's a Summer Jam four pack weekend. Win four ta- tickets for you and your crew. That four pack Sunday, June first at MetLife Stadium. You know, Street Soldiers are going to be there too at the Festival Village. Party all day long with two stages starting at two thirty p.m. Nas, Fifty, Nicki Minaj, Young Money, Lil Wayne, The Roots and Friends, Wiz Khalifa, Trey Songs. So many, many, many more. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. Hashtag War on Heroin. Hashtag New Heroin. I'm Lisa Evers, your host at Street Soldiers. Street underscore soldiers at Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real peace. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the new heroin epidemic. Many of the heroin overdose deaths and overdose cases are in people under the age of 20. Many people struggling with the addiction now in their 20s and 30s started when they were in their teens. It's out there. It's got brand names. It's going for 4 and $5 a bag. You can snort it. You don't even need to use a needle. And a lot of people are getting turned on to it in a very bad way. So that's why we're talking about the new heroin epidemic. Taking your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797, 1-800-223-9797, and also hit us up on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, at Street underscore Soldiers, hashtag is War on Heroin, and hashtag... Uh, new heroin. So let us know what you think about that. And we're joined in studio. We have Anthony Rizzuto. He's the clinical coordinator with the Power and Control Program, the Seafield Center for Alcohol and Substance Abuse Treatment. We've got Shanna Lentz. She's a recovering heroin user. She started using at the age of 20. (coughs) We have DJ Fountain and Manny Fountain. Uh, They lost their sister when they were just both of them were 9 and 11 years old. Their seven-year-old sister, Alicia, when the car the family was riding in was hit by a driver who was overdosing on heroin. And since then, one of the brothers has had a problem. One of, one of the um, brothers has had a problem with uh, drug abuse, his own substance abuse himself. Also, Peter Santoro, Lower East Side Service Center. He's a former heroin user, now a substance abuse counselor. And on the phone line, we have Dr. Jeffrey Reynolds. He's a director of the Long Island Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence. Dr. Reynolds, thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me on. We, we appreciate it. Let's take a phone call. We've had people that have been hanging on now for uh, since the beginning of the show. Let's go to Josh from upstate New York. Josh, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How you doing? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, chime in a little. This, this disease is absolutely disgusting. I've been trying to get <clears throat> clean now four different treatment programs, and I've been going maybe a month, two months clean at most. I've overdosed six times. And I still, I guess, haven't hit my rock bottom. And they say your bottom sometimes has to come meet you or it just has to get so bad. But it's just I've watched people die. I've made trips, almost got arrested the past few days. And the, the few times, the few many times that I've overdosed, the same day that I had stuff in my pocket, I still continue to use as soon as I got brought back by the, the paramedics. What does, it, what, does it ma- what does it make you feel like? Because it's got to make I mean, you feel. It's it, got to it make you feel some kind of way. Numb. Say everything it again, please. Goes away. You don't care about anything. I mean, I lost my mother not that long ago, and I had to be high through it all. Like it just, I, I still mourned and everything, but I just had to deal with it. And I still struggle with that issue, and it's just. I mean, I go to meetings and try to keep doing the right thing, but it's just such a strong pull, and with. with I don't know, everybody benefiting profit, like um, 
excuse me, but uh, fines and stuff and legal fees, it's still going to be a strong issue out there with with certain people pushing it and people making money off of it. It's just, uh, I don't know. So the feeling, the feeling again, you said, is, is were you using the needle? Were you snorting it? I started with pills, then progressed to sniffing it, was afraid of needles, and once I realized that it's so much faster, quicker, and stronger high, I jumped right to jumped right to the needles and hated needles growing up and still don't like them when I get a shot <clears throat> in the arm, but yet I can use myself as pin cushion. And how old were you when you started using, Josh? 24. So I started a little later than uh, the, what the typical age is right now, I guess. I would never at the age of 14 try heroin. I was more into marijuana, but... And so, what's your what's your state what's your state of mind now? Like, what are you planning to do? You said you've been you were almost got caught yesterday for selling. I I go to meetings and I'm currently trying to get back on track completely. Yeah, but if you're around it and you you said you were you were moving some weight yesterday and you're you're around it and you're trying to get clean, that doesn't seem like it's a consistent message to me. You're never going to completely get away from it. I mean, you can do a geographical change, as they say, but if if you want it, you'll find it no matter where you are. Anthony, what do you say to him? Josh, what I would say is that, you know, recovery is possible. And, and I hear what you're saying about a couple of attempts at this and not being able to get it. Um, you know, for me personally, as a person who does this kind of work, um, if this isn't working, you do the next thing. And I got to tell you, one of the things I'm seeing when you're dealing with opiates, doing 14 days, doing 21 days, for a lot of people, it's not happening. If you stay in the same environment where you're at, I don't care if you go and complete a 28-day program. If you're still hanging out with the same people and it triggers those thoughts and, you know, you got a real euphoria that comes from it. So, you know, to me, the longer a person can be engaged in treatment and get away from the environment where they were, the better their chances are. All right. Thank, Josh, uh, good luck with everything. Thank you very much for the call. Shauna, what about you? What do you think when you hear that? Um, I agree with Anthony. I personally had to go away for quite a while. Um, I went to a bunch of programs for a short stay, and I needed to be away for... Uh, it was about eight months. I was up in Daysop. And what kind of changes did you go through? Because people look, people would look at you now and go, there, "There's absolutely no way this woman, this beautiful young woman, ever had anything to do with any kind of dr- drug that serious." Yeah, um, you know, I had to change a lot. I had to change my whole life, really. I mean, I I came from a very loving family. Um, you know, you wouldn't guess from the outside that that I that I would have been doing what I was doing, and. Um, that's that's this disease it doesn't discriminate you know i i was loved and there was no reason for me to be doing what i was doing i was introduced to somebody who was doing it and i just became hooked right away a guy you were dating or mm-hmm. yep and that's how you got and, hooked yep and from that first time i was i was full blown addicted i mean i i needed it like right after the first time and did he yep. did he have you doing things you wouldn't normally do in order to pay for it absolutely i mean um the reason how come that pushed me into the recovery was being arrested and um he actually committed suicide in his jail cell because he was going through withdrawal so um you know that's that's where it can take you to being so sick and just giving up on your giving up on your life not thinking that you can do anything to get help the ultimate high and the ultimate down the mm-hmm. ultimate down guys and i i think what she just said is is perfect and it, it, 
people are sick. You know, like a lot of the stereotypes are that these people are bad people, but it's the exact opposite. Especially like where I, I went to high school, it's such a huge epidemic that these these are good kids. These are good people um, that just fall victim to the epidemic. And you know, a lot of the associations, all oh, these are bad people. These are low lives, but realistically, it's not. They're just sick, and they need help. They need our help. They need us to stand forward and you know push for a better living for them. They need their family support and friend support. Peter, one of our guests uh, in the first half of the show, Nora Milligan, a nurse, she said, you know, we can't give up on this. Just because rehab doesn't work once or twice or even three times, we shouldn't give up on it. Why? Do, what do you think about that? You know, we're, we're dealing with something that's very, very powerful. You know, it's progressive, it's incurable, it's chronic, and in many cases, it's fatal. My own personal experience is that I went to uh, not three, four, five, six. Went to nine different institutions. I became I became institutionalized. I began to be more comfortable in an institution and outside. I could get clean and sober, but I couldn't stay clean and sober. This has nothing to do with getting clean and sober. The truth is anyone can get clean and sober. If you go to a jail, if you go to a rehab and they lock the doors and let you out in 14 days, you're going to get clean and sober. This isn't about getting clean and sober. About it's, staying. It's about staying clean and sober. And I think it's really important for the listening audience to know something. It's treatable. I mean, it's absolutely treatable. You need to, you know, what you need to do is you really need to give up. You know, as long, every time I got in the battle with heroin, every time I went to a place to buy one bag, it never worked. It's just, it's the most powerful thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Dr. Jeffrey Reynolds, uh, why do you say this? You've never seen heroin abuse this bad. You know, I've been in this uh, in this field for a long time, and just the sheer numbers are out of control. We've watched a, you know, at LICAD, a drop in the average age of our clients go from 45 to 25. It feels like almost overnight. And, you know, as several of your other guests have said, this is a chronic relapsing condition. You know, the encouraging word that I would give to to Josh is, you know, every day of sobriety and recovery that you're able to embrace brings you a further step forward. And this myth that folks have to hit bottom before they make some changes is exactly that. It's a myth. And I think, you know, the more we celebrate folks' recovery, rather than kind of pointing a finger and saying, look, you relapsed and, and you're a bad person, I think, you know, there's a lot of that going on. I think, that, you know, the second thing that Josh said that, that was so eloquent was the fact that he feels euphoric. He's been going through a lot, and this was a way of escaping all that. You know, we look at the symptoms of, of substance use, and, and that is some of the bad stuff that happens in the community. But very seldom do we go back and take a look and say, look, what's driving substance use among our young people? Well, what do you think is driving it? Because, it's, I mean, yes, obviously there's a lot more of the drug around. Yes, obviously it's a lot cheaper. But it's not like somebody's putting a gun to someone's head and saying, listen, snort this or stick this needle in your arm. What driving it why why so many from this new generation are turning to a drug that in the hood people used to look at heroin addicts used to be like wow they're losers even during the crack epidemic they were looking at at them like that but why is it now suddenly so cool you know lisa one of the things that that's that a young man said at a forum we did out here on long island earlier this week is and and it was great he said it felt like i had a pebble in my shoe every step of the way and i think there's a lot of folks out there and maybe this applies to josh who use substances not to get high, not for that euphoria, 
but simply to feel normal. And if you look at what's happened with youth services, both on Long Island and in the five boroughs, if you look at what's happened to mental health services, we've put a whole bunch of stress on young people, whether it be the economy or or, or anything else, without a lot of support to go along with that. And so when folks feel out of control, they feel anxious, they feel depressed, and don't have access to services, well, there's a substance that's only $5 that will make that all go away. And that, and makes, that, you, that makes you feel better. Let's, yeah. go, let's go to Melvin right now from New Jersey. Melvin, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing, man? All right, how are you? Um, I'm all right. Um, I'm just really disgusted at this issue, you know what I'm saying, because that's like how you just said, y'all just took words, a lot of, a lot of words right out of my mouth since I've been listening and stuff. Um, like, 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 I'm from Georgia. Um, we look at, um, dope as being, um, not cool, or doing crack as being not cool. Like, I mean, I've never seen that as being cool. We're popping pills being cool. And I'm, and I'm, I got two albums out. And, and I address those issues on my albums as, as well, uh, from the title, so it could become like a normal conversation, part of conversation. And, you know what I'm saying? I feel strongly, like, like against this issue. Because you know, what I'm saying it's affecting so many people in this community with great, with, with great talent, no, talented people. No, ab- absolutely, we're lo- we're losing a lot of people. But Melvin, you said you knew somebody that started taking it at age 11. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was in I was in jail. I was locked up in prison um, in New Jersey. You know, what I'm saying for 10 years for a crime I didn't commit. And I mean, I just hit and during the course of that, me fighting my case and everything, I'm still hearing stories of people that's around me like. Saying um, uh, like either ch- chasing uh, sugar or the um, suboxins or methadone uh, uh, or something like that, or the, uh, and telling me stories about them being 11 years old when they first started doing yeah. drugs and stuff. I was, no, that, I was that, like, that no, definitely. It was I mean, it was it was like a like a culture shock. You know what I'm saying? Almost to me, like I couldn't <clears throat> I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. No, you know? I know. Like, Melvin, well, listen, thank you. Thank you so much. I got to move on. Um, we got a lot of f- phone calls and a lot of people that have been hanging out for the whole hour. I want to thank you so much for the call. Let's go to uh, Holly from Long Island right now. Holly, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you? Um, I've never done heroin myself, but I have four children, and their father, I was with for 11 years, um, was a heroin addict um, uh, over the last three years. And he recently just overdosed and passed away. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he left four uh, babies behind. Um, How old are your children, Holly? Uh, they're 13, 11, and the other two will be 9 and 7 in June. And how did you handle that with your kids? Uh, it was terrible. I, I'm still not handling it well. Well, talk with us. We've got counselors here, and l- tell us what you've been going through. Um, a lot of it feels like guilt. Um, because um, my parents, parts of my parents were both um, crack addicts. And so when I met um, their father, Jason, I met him, and um, I wanted to save him. And he, he wasn't doing um, much then. It was just, like, weed and drinking all the time, and then he was doing this and that. He was, like, um, someone who could do any drug, you know, and then he got caught up on pills for a long time. And then when I left him, he started using the heroin. Um, his excuse was that it made him feel like a warm hug and he, because he was so lonely and this and that and... That that's what made him feel better. Holly, if I can just uh, say, you know, sorry for your loss, and and I'll tell you that, um, you know, you didn't do what happened to Jason was not your fault. You know, Jason made choices and decisions. Unfortunately, it sounds like he was struck with this illness as well. I think at this point, you know, I would encourage you to get some support for yourself. You know, you're a mom. 
you have children, you know, and, and being able to care for yourself. It starts with you, that idea of the oxygen mask. You know, put it on yourself first so that you can take care of others. But, you know, what happened to your, your kid's father, you know, is a tragedy. And unfortunately, that's a reality with this illness. People that struggle with the disease of addiction are not bad people, just like DJ was saying. They're sick people that need help. But I, I can't encourage you enough to get some support for yourself. And there's much support out there available for you. Shawnee, you lost you, your boyfriend committed suicide mm-hmm. after you got arrested when you were both doing heroin. But I'm sure, you know, people may say, well, OK, he's the bad guy because he turned you on to that. But you still must have had feelings and gone through a sense of loss. Do you have anything you can say to Holly? Yeah, Holly, there's so much grief counseling out there. Um, there's. Um, so many places that you can go to to deal with the you know the anger and the the, the pain that you're in I, I I get it and I'm sorry for your loss and you know you go through all these stages of emotions and to be angry at at this disease and at him for for leaving you and your children is so normal um, so don't ever think that you know it's not normal um, and there's just so much help out there and you know you need to be a mom for those for those kids and you know teach them so that they don't go down that same path and dealing with the same thing I have a little girl and um with your boyfriend with your ex-boyfriend no with with my fiance now Uh and um my biggest thing is just you know teaching her that you know she doesn't have to go down the same path and just like you holly you can teach those kids that um you know they don't ever have to follow in their father's footsteps and always keep his memory alive and you know just know that it's a disease and it, it took him but he's he's no longer suffering he's no longer battling or fighting Absolutely. Thank you so much. He was, uh, he did, um, you know, go to recovery many of millions of times, you know, and the last time he, um, he actually stayed clean for six months. Um, so I think like that was like the bigger heartbreak for the kids because he was actually clean for so long. So they got to know, well, you know, you know, uh, they actually thought that he was going to stay clean this time. So, and then out of nowhere, I guess he thought he could use what he always used and it was just too much. It was too much. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Holly, could, what are you telling the? What did you tell the kids, or did they just know? They understood. The kids, the kids knew. Um, I, I never kept it a secret. You know, like it was never kept a secret. My parents' habits were never kept a secret, and it made me not want to do drugs as a child. You know, I never looked at it like you know. So I was hoping that if, by them knowing what he was going through, even when he was alive, that they would know that okay, I won't have these things if I do this, and this won't be good. You know. So I, we've always kept it very honest with them. You know, obviously not laid everything on the table, but, you know. No, they, I know. you got you got to be. You no, know, I mean, they visited him in rehab and things. And he he was um, uh, a, a songwriter and, you know, he did um, rapping and things like this. So they went to shows for him at his um, in the rehabs and things like that. So they knew he was there. You know. All right. Well, Holly, listen, we, we're almost out of time here, unfortunately, for the show. But I, I want to, you know, wish you wish you and your children the best. And uh, hopefully I think you might want to take up Shannon's advice and get some counseling too, help you get through this. And the kids as well. And for the kids yeah. and for the kids also. The uh, saying if, yeah. And if you need any recommendations, we can put you on hold and get your number and have one of the counselors give you a call if you want. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, let's, uh, what what about what what she's saying? DJ, you want to say something? Well, I could definitely relate to the part that she talked about guilt um, because, like, when you're on the sideline looking in um, to your your loved ones um, and you just feel helpless at times, there's nothing that you can do and you see them going through withdrawals and you see them sick and, you know, you try to help as much as you can, but there's only so much that you can do. Um, You know, you try to give the earth and they want the universe, it feels like. And um, it's, I I know you wanted to. Um, I just I just want to let people know that it is possible to change 
like it's hard but once you realize you've lost everything and you eventually reach a point where it, you're gonna have to take that step like anthony said um cutting off everybody if you have to change your phone number if you have to move away go away for a while like shanna said like don't be afraid to do that it is possible because your life is more important than anything and me and my brother have witnessed friends of ours just drop dead these young kids and everything so if you have to change like it's it's, your, it's life or death really all right uh, real quick on twitter any uh action over there on twitter at lisa evers at street underscore soldiers yes yeah, so we have a few tweets one tweet comes from at l ray who says the heroin problem here on long island is serious so many of our babies are falling into this trap another tweet comes from at uh catherine who says i blame doctors for making pain pills too easily available knowing the high risk of addiction which leads to heroin and one last tweet comes from at tie three four five who says if all children here is popping molly's own songs what do you expect them to do all right, and we're getting a bunch on music and just on the phone calls. I'm sorry to Frankie from New Jersey. Uh, was dating a heroin addict who overdosed. Tracy from Pennsylvania says children are influenced by the music. That might be another show for us to look at. Um, Jose from Long Island, we your wife has been in the hospital for a week because of an overdose. Ray from New Jersey, um, twenty she's 24 years old and uh, also has an experience. A lot of, lot of phone calls. Mike, everyone else that's on hold, I'm sorry, we're out of time. We're not going to be able to to get to your to get to your telephone call. Peter, did you just want to say something real quick? Because we're just about, I got like in 30 seconds. Okay, very quickly. You know, you talked about how this all starts. Many times it doesn't start with the person buying heroin. It starts with looking in the parent's medicine cabinet, going to a doctor and getting pills for some sort of oxycontin. And when that runs out, when you get the prescription for 30 pills and it lasts for 15 days, and someone in school or one of your friends says, look, I'll, I'll show you a cheaper way to do this. It's a backdoor of getting into it. It doesn't start. Many times it just doesn't start with buying heroin. You don't just go out on the street absolutely. and look for it. It, start, it starts in that way. And Dr. Reynolds, any final word of advice for everybody? Yeah, look, for anyone listening out there who's struggling, either themselves or with a family member, there's a lot of help out there. This is not one of those things that you can do on your own. This is a completely treatable disease, and today could be the start of, of something great for you and your family. So reach out for help now. We're a whole bunch of folks you know, on the panel and, and around in the community that are ready, willing, and able to help you through this. All right, I want to thank all of our guests for being with us. We really appreciate it for this episode of Street Soldiers. It'll be up on LisaEvers.com. Uh, within the hour if you want to find out more information about it and also TJ do we have a sponsor here when you do it okay I want to thank my whole team here at Street Soldiers executive producer Tone Capone our Hot 97 digital director Jeffrey Thacker associate producer Angelique Tyree Amber Ravenel production supervisor Andrew Varis our board op tech support TJ check me out on LisaEvers.com Twitter at Lisa Evers Fox 5 News at 6 and 5, 6 and 10 have a great week everybody remember use your mind it's your best weapon I hope it's your only weapon I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. My friends from.